Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. All right, everybody good? Hey, if you want to, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Uh, we're in a little series right now that we're calling, uh, we're calling, well, it's four things. And Reese, if you want to put my title slide up there so that I nail this, that'd be really great. Uh, we're calling this a little series, Family, Hospital, School, and Army. And the reason that we're doing that is because way back in the day, the founder of the Vineyard, uh, not just this church, but the founder of the Vineyard movement, is a guy named John Wimber. And John Wimber was fond of talking about the church in four different ways. He said that the church... Uh, should be a family, a hospital, a school, and an army. And last week, we talked a little bit about the fact that that the church is a hospital. It's a place where we get healed. Uh, It's a place where our physical bodies can be healed, but it's also a place where our our emotions and and ultimately uh, our souls can be healed uh, by the love of God. We talked a little bit about that last week. If you didn't hear that message, I'd encourage you to check it out. And this week, what I want to do is I want to spend a few minutes talking to you about the church as the family of God. And I want to riff on that in a, in a maybe a slightly different way than we normally would, but I want to riff on that with you for a few minutes here this morning. And before I do that, I also want to say, like three weeks ago, I think it was, I had a message here about, uh, about being children of God. Do you guys remember that? Uh, and if you didn't listen to that message, you could almost consider that message part one of this message. And because of that, we're going to cover a little bit of new ground. But I, I do want to say the thing that sort of undergirds all of this is this idea that we're children of God. Like, uh, that's who you are. Uh, that's who you really, really are. And God is your father. And we're going to maybe look at some of that again this morning. But also we want to go in a new direction as well. So um, Wimber was fond of saying that the church should be a family, a family. And uh, it makes sense that this would be one of the metaphors that we use uh, for the church. Makes sense for a couple reasons. Um, Number one, uh, family and household metaphors are the most common metaphors used for the church in the New Testament. Like over and over again, you hear family language attached to the church. Uh, Paul says that the church is a household, Paul also says that Timothy is his son. Uh, Over and over again in the Gospels, you hear Jesus talk about God as his father. And so there's all of this familial and household language that is attached to the church. Um, It also makes sense because uh, the church is a collection of people and and it's a diverse collection of people. I don't know if you've noticed this morning, but there's all kinds of different people here in the room. There's some young people uh, and we got some old people here this morning too who left their phones on. (laughs) But the church is this diverse group of people, young and old, uh, in this room. There's uh, rich and poor. Uh, There's people from uh, the right side of the tracks, the wrong side of the tracks. But the thing that brings us together is is Jesus and the story of the kingdom. And, And just in a really... Simple, simple way. The story of the kingdom is this, that God is putting the world back together, uh, starting with his son. 
So everything that God has done in his son, he will do for you and the cosmos. That's like the kingdom story. And that's the story that gathers us together. And, and, I'm, and I'm saying it this way because uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but every family has a story. Like your family has a story, you know? Uh, and the church is a family and it has a story as well. And it's just running in the background. Uh, Jesus also uses um, over and over again in the gospels, Jesus talks about the fact that God is his father. This was like super surprising. There's only a handful of instances in the Old Testament where God is called father, like just a handful. But in the New Testament, it's over and over again and it begins with Jesus. And so these ideas are, are sowing into us uh, this, this reality that the church is a family. Um, another reason why church is a family makes sense is, is this. Uh, it's entirely possible, depending on how old you are, that church might be something you do your entire life. Uh, I, there are people in this room that I have known, uh, that I've known for over 30 years, and they're not blood kin. You know? That's weird. There are people that I've been living life with for like over 30 years, and they're not blood relatives. Like, where else would you do that? Eventually, you just get sick of people, right? Yeah. I mean, how many of you, how many of you have, have friends or, or people that you've met along the Jesus way and you've known them for decades, right? Like the only other place where that kind of longevity happens in terms of relationship is your natural born family. That's the only other place. And so all of this, so all of this pulls us together in a way that, that makes us family. And then there's this, this other weird thing that happens, and I'm sure you've probably experienced this as well. This other weird thing that happens is uh, we get together on Sunday mornings. A lot of us in the room know each other. But then how many of you have ever traveled and maybe you're, you know, you're sitting in the hot tub at Florida while you're on vacation with, with the kids and then, and then you start talking to the other people in the hot tub? Like, I don't, you don't want to, but they started it, right? That's how my brain works anyway. You know, they start the conversation and then within a few minutes you find out that, that they're Christians and they find out that you're a Christian and then all of a sudden the conversation goes to this other level and, and I'm not even talking about necessarily religious, but it goes to this other level and you realize, oh, we, there's something happening with us here and we have this commonality that's really important and there's like this trust thing that just kind of like is instantly established. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. How does that happen? How does that? Well, here's how it happens. Because the church is the family of God. And, and we can be family with people we don't even know uh, in a pool in Florida after only meeting them for 20 minutes because we're living inside of the same story. That's why we can be family. And the story is that what God has done in his son, he will do for the cosmos. That what God has done in his son, he will do for you. Like, uh, especially when you're at your worst moment, you know? And so that's the thing we're doing. Okay, a couple weeks ago, like I said, we talked a little bit about being children of God. I wanna do something different today. Uh, I wanna riff uh, on something that Jesus said. And I wanna do that by looking at Matthew chapter 12, just four verses, 46 through 50. So Reese, can you help me? Short little story here. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mothers and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, 
your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. And Jesus said, who's my mother and who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Short little story. I want to fill in a little context for this passage this morning. Um, The context is that in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is out doing his thing. Uh, Read for that. Jesus is out doing Jesus stuff. You know, Uh, he's out doing the things that only Jesus can do. He's out teaching. And in Matthew chapter 12, uh, in the middle of teaching, uh, Jesus heals somebody on the Sabbath, which creates quite a stir. People are like, maybe you shouldn't do that. And Jesus says, well, wouldn't you pull your, wouldn't you pull your donkey out of a hole on the Sabbath? You know, checkmate. You know, it's like <laughs> Jesus is real good at that kind of stuff. He heals somebody on the Sabbath, creates a stir. Uh, and then the next thing he does is he heals a demon-possessed guy. Possessed guy comes and no one can do anything with him. And Jesus just speaks a kind word to this guy and he gets completely set free. And then after that, uh, some other people come to Jesus and they're like, well, you know, uh, why don't you do a sign for us? And then in prototypical Jesus fashion, he flips it and he's like, actually, you're not going to get any signs but the sign of Jonah. He says a bunch of stuff about weird Jonah. And when you read it, you're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? And Jesus is like, here's what you'll get when you ask for signs. Uh, Just like Jonah was swallowed by a whale for three days and then spit out alive, so the Son of Man will go into the ground and come out alive. And no, no one knows what he's talking about, right? Literally, no one knows what he's talking about. And he says all of these strange things. And then in this moment, Jesus's mothers, his mother and his brothers come to him and they're, and they're outside of the meeting that he's having. And if you read the Gospel of Mark, one of the things that you sort of get from this moment is uh, part of the reason that Jesus's mother's his mother and brothers have come is because they think he's, he's gone crazy. They're, they wonder, has he, has he lost his mind, right? And, and they're like, we want to talk to you. And Jesus sort of like re- resolutely refuses to talk to them. And he says, uh, pointing at his disciples, he's like, these are, these are my brothers and my mothers and my sister are anyone who does the will of the Father. Typical Jesus fashion. He speaks so plain, it seems like a riddle. Um, and here's what I love about this this morning. I just want to highlight a couple things this morning. But the first thing I want to highlight is the first thing that Jesus says with respect to the family of God. And the first thing that Jesus says with respect to who is his family. And he says this, anyone who does the will of the Father. And I just want you to underline that word, anyone. Isn't it a great word? It's, this is the best word. He says anyone. And by that, he means literally anyone, anyone. I love that Jesus is so open. Anyone can be a part of God's family. Anybody, anybody in the room this morning. Uh, maybe, you've, maybe you've stayed away from Christians, or maybe you stayed away from the church because you thought you wouldn't fit into God's family. Or maybe you thought that God was looking for people with decent credentials. Uh, I've got some good news for you this morning. The good news is God has tremendously low standards. He has tremendously low standards. God will let anyone be a part of his family. Anyone. This is the beginning of the gospel word. 
is, is anyone, anyone, anyone can come. Like this morning, there's a couple hundred people in here. There's a bunch of kids over the, the kids' wing. Um, this morning, this room has enough people in it. There's some jacked up people here, you know? There's some people who've tried to submarine their lives. Like you did, you did you've done really good work, you know? Uh, there's also some people who, who maybe thought that because you acted good during your high school years, you were automatically in or something. You know, there's, there's probably some super Christians here who have underlined passages in the Bible. I mean, we got, we got everything in the house this morning. And the good news is that whether you're a Christian uh, in your past or not, whether you've ever highlighted anything in your Bible, whether you acted good in high school, or whether you've completely tanked your life, the good news this morning is that Jesus says anyone can be a part of God's family. Anyone, literally anyone anyone. And you might be wondering, I don't even know if I fit into this, this place called the church. I don't know really why I'm here. I'm actually super nervous. I'm fairly uncomfortable. Good, good, good. That's great. Anyone, even you, even you, somebody say, even me, even me, even me. Like you can be somebody who's like got all kinds of things happening in your life and really is fairly unput together. The good news is that Jesus says, anyone, anyone. Anyone and everyone is invited. No one in this room is excluded from being invited into the family of God. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. Um, it's, it's, not just, it's, not, it's not just simply that we get invited into the family of God. I, the, the second thing I want to talk to you about this morning is this. Uh, God's family is a different kind of family. It's a different kind of family. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you know what I'm talking about here. Um, how many of you remember going over to someone's house when you were a kid and being struck by how different their family was, right? Like you grow up in your family and because you grow up in your family and you hang out with your brothers and sisters every day and because you live in your house and because you sleep in your bed and because you eat your mom and dad's food and because you have your family routines, how many of you know that when you're living in that world, you don't know that your family's crazy? You don't know that your family's weird because you've never experienced anything different, right? And then one day your friend says, hey, come and stay at my house for the night. And you're like, that'd be fun. We'll play video games or something. And you go over to your friend's house and you're like, wow, these people are nuts. <laughs> and you had no clue. You had no clue. Or maybe you go over there and you're like, wow, this is really good. My family's nuts, right? That's, that's the thing. Uh, their house, how many of you... I uh, had this experience. You go over to your, your friend's house and you're like, their house smells different. <laughs> you know, it's like the first, their family smells different. You know, you sit in their couch. It's like, what's, what? It's their family odor. <laughs> they have weird snacks. They have different rules. Uh, by the way, it's, it's the same with God's family. Uh, anybody can come over and anybody can be a part, but you got to know something right up front. It's a different kind of family. It's a different kind of family. And, and depending on where you've been raised, uh, the differences will be stark when you go in to God's family. Uh, Jesus says anyone who does the will of his father is family. And that's where the difference comes in. Um, uh, because Jesus's family is a little bit different. I don't know if you know this or not, but some families, maybe some families in this room, some families are like sports families, right? And some families are weekend warrior families. You know, every single Saturday, you go do some big adventure, you know? And some families do chores on Saturdays before you go to your friends. You know, that's like the rule. And, and some families, some families are, are the families where the, where the kids clean up after dinner. 
That's, that's my family. It's like, dude, I'll cook. If you're cleaning the dishes, that's, that's how it goes. And then, and then some families are competitive, but then some families are professionals in bitterness and unforgiveness. And some families talk about everything, and then some families, no matter what it is, we don't talk about anything. Anybody come from one of those families? It's like, doesn't matter how traumatic it is, we're not talking about it. We'll just pretend everything's great. Yeah. And then you go over to a family where everybody talks about everything, and you're like, they hate each other. It's like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. There's a whole different set of patterns and practices that make up God's family. Uh, Here's a few, just a few randos. In God's family, the poor are blessed. In God's family, people who mourn will be comforted. In, In God's family, there's no murder. Not only that, but anger is out too. Jesus says, you can't even be angry with your brother. Don't call him names. You don't know where it comes from. In God's family, adultery is out. And and not only that, so is lust. And you might be thinking, wow, there's a lot of rules in God's family. You might be thinking, there's a lot of rules in God's family. I don't know if we can do this. Uh, You could say that, but the bigger point in God's family is that we live to serve others. That's what everything that Jesus is always talking about is ultimately rooted in. How many of you know that it's hard to love and serve, serve others if you're like angry at them and want to murder them? It's really hard to serve people that you're, that you're really upset with, isn't it? And how many of you know, how many of you know that lust is, is the main issue with lust and adultery is that it's, it's you being selfish in a world that God meant for you to be generative and open and giving, right? Yeah, That's, this is what the root of God's family is. Same with murder, same with loving your enemies. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He's like, you've heard it said, like, love those who love you and hate those who hate you, right? And he's like, I I tell you, no, that's not the way that it is in my kingdom. Love those who persecute you. Pray for them and ask God to bless them. And you're like, what? Yeah, this is the difference. It's that thing that happens when you go over to your friend's house and realize, wow, it's a different family. God's family is different. We'll come back to that in just a moment. The the third thing I want you to know this morning is that Jesus is putting an emphasis on does and not just knows. It's important to notice that Jesus says those who do God's will, not just those who know God's will, those who do God's will, not just knows. In the text right before the one that we read this morning, I was sort of giving you a little context. In the text, in the section immediately before, Jesus tells this other little story. And the story goes something like this. Uh, Jesus tells the story that, oh, you know, if you, if you kick all the demons out of a person and you sweep the house clean, he says, uh, he says those spirits go out into arid places for a while, but they come back, don't they? And what do they find? House is clean. And what do the spirits do? They go find seven more, more evil than the first one that got kicked out. And they invite that one in. And the condition of that person is worse than it was before. And you're like, you read that and you, how many of you in here go? (laughs) Gives you the pee chill. It's like, (laughs) correct. That's the correct. 
interpretation. And then Jesus, then Jesus tells the story that we just saw. It's those who do my Father's will who are in the family of God. So these two things actually go together. It's part of what we're seeing here. And part of what Jesus and part of what Matthew is showing us in writing his gospel is that uh, that entrance into this, this true family of God, it's not just about what we know, but it's about like what we're practicing, right? So what Jesus is saying in that story about sweeping the house clean, it's not just about avoiding something. It's not about just getting rid of something. It's not about just cleaning up your life, but it's, it's really about what are you putting back in, right? So what if you clean up your life, but you don't put anything back in? Like, what if, you, what if you get all the dust and the cobwebs out? What if you get all the demonic oppression out of your life? What if, you, what if you name all the sin and confess it? And what if you live like with this clench-fisted approach to life of like, I'm gonna do things right, but you never, you never pick up the practices of God's family to replace it with. Well, what is that? Well, it's, it's a house that's been swept clean and anybody could come over, right? This is part of what Jesus is saying. It's about doing, not just knowing. The point, the point here is, the point here is, it's not just about getting rid of something from your life. It's about putting something back. God's family is not just against stuff. That's not the, that's not the orientation of God's family. God's family is less against something. It's more about something. And how many of you have ever noticed this, that when you're actually living in your sweet spot, doing the things that you're called to do, doing the things you're made to do, especially as it relates to those things which are about serving others. How many of you know that when you're serving others, uh, you, you just, you don't screw your life up. Have you ever noticed that? Like when you're about the things that God has asked you to do and about serving others, that like your propensity to like sin and jack your life up goes way down. Why? Because you're a limited being, you have limited capacity. If you focus on the things that God is inviting you into, there's just this whole host of things that are just like, well, I'm just not doing that, you know? I'm just, I'm not about that. I mean, if you've ever noticed that like one singular yes in the right direction is a million no's to terrible things. Yeah, it's why it's, it's why it's really important to say yes to God and his kingdom and to be about his work and to be about the things he's doing. Because one yes to being God's son, one yes to being God's daughter is a billion no's to things that would wreck your life. It's not just about knowing something, it's about practicing it. Mm. Okay, a couple things about doing here and not just knowing. Number one, before we're ever doing, we're being. God's family is a different kind of family. It's got a different ethos. It's about serving others. It's about seeing the world healed. But before it's about doing, it's about being. And in God's family, we're his sons and daughters first. Uh, order of operations is really important. Anybody remember algebra? How many of you know how to add? I know how to add. How many of you can subtract? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, how many of you can multiply? Everything but the nines. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so long as it isn't long division, I got, long, I got it, you know? But how many of you know that you can add, subtract, multiply, divide, but when it comes to algebra, if you get the order of operations messed up, it doesn't matter if you're doing the singular pieces correctly, the answer will always be wrong, Right? right? Same thing in God's family. It's, it's the same thing with even endeavoring 
to do the things that Jesus is saying here, like to do his father's will and to be a part of his family. Like, like if we get the order of operations wrong here, uh, it doesn't matter how much doing you do, uh, it'll be wrong in the end. It'll be wrong in the end. And this is why being is always the primary thing. Before, before we do, uh, we have to be deeply rooted in the fact that whether we do or not, we're like, we're like God's beloved children and we're held in his arms. You know, we just are. Like, that's just the way it is. And all of our doing comes first from being. I'll give you a little example here. Um, sometimes there'll be a family who has a family business and it's like maybe a good family business. And maybe the, maybe the father like grew the business and, and the wife helped him grow the business. And then they had some children. And then as the children grew up, what do the children do? They work. Where? In the family business. In the family business. Yeah. And, and this is actually a pretty, a pretty important little idea to keep in our heads. Uh, the sons and daughters don't work the business so they can be in the family. The sons and daughters work the business because they are in the family. Like your father, your father is up to something in the world. And we don't, we don't do the things that he's doing so we can be in the family. No, we do them because we are in the family. That's very different. Uh, number two, number two, when it comes to doing and not just knowing. Uh, we have the scriptures. Uh, we have the whole story on our phones. We have the whole story in our laps. Like we can read the gospels. We can, we can read the Bible. But this morning, the scripture that we showed on the screen, this morning, the disciples, they were just walking all of this out with Jesus day by day. Like they didn't have the gospels. They were like living it out. Like there's just moment by moment and day by day. And sometimes we lose sight of that. Like we lose sight of the fact that we read the Sermon on the Mount and like we, at a certain point, like we want to do the whole thing. I want to, you know, and that's true. I want to do the whole Matthew 5, 6, and 7 thing. I want to, I want to live it and I want to, I want to do it. But the context here for Jesus' teaching about the family of his father is that he points to his disciples and he says, uh, these are my family. Uh, these guys who have been following me around. And so the context for us is uh, not necessarily knowing the whole story. The context for us here uh, when it comes to being in God's family is to simply follow Jesus day by day. Yeah. Like, okay, uh, some of us in here know a lot of the Bible. Good, you know? And if you don't know much, hey, have, have at it. Read a little bit. It, it won't hurt you. But, but here's the thing. Having that whole thing uh, locked away in your brain, that can be pretty helpful. But what's more helpful is to day by day, get up and listen to Jesus and do what he's doing. Even more than knowing the whole thing at once, what is Jesus doing? He, Jesus points at the disciples who didn't have the whole story put together. He says, these are my brothers. This is my sister. This is my mother, those who do the will. It's just the people who are following him moment by moment, watching what he does and being a part where he invites them in. Uh, number three, uh, Jesus said this. He said that he only did what he saw his father doing. This is a very important passage. I just want to read you one little passage here out of John chapter 5. John chapter 5, 19 and 20. Jesus said this. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. Not even Jesus. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. You'll be truly astonished. What does this mean for us? 
for those of us who want to do the will of God, for those of us who want to enter into the true family of God, uh, here's what Jesus is asking us to do. Only do what we see the Father doing. You know, like, listen, read the Bible, uh, know the story, uh, have the characters, get the plot, uh, endeavor to lean into and live into uh, especially things like Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Like that's the countercultural thing that God is up to all the time. But even more than that, look out for what God is doing like day by day, moment by moment, because that's what Jesus did. Like Jesus didn't walk around and go, well, I've got to do the whole Old Testament today. <laughs> no, he would only do what he saw his father doing. And, and in John chapter five, that's where Jesus Heals a guy, right? Y'all remember that? There's like, there's like a guy at the pool and, and he was there to get healed. But here's what, you, here's what you don't know. There were other people who were at the pool and Jesus didn't heal all of them. He healed the one guy, right? Why? Because that's what the father was doing that day. Like when it comes to leaning into our identity of being a part of the family of God, it has so much to do with listening to God and going, Father, what are you up to today? Uh, number four, Number four, uh, God is probably only teaching you one thing at a time. God is probably only teaching you one thing at a time. He's probably leading you at the pace of your ability to absorb. That's very good news, by the way. Yeah. Um, Some of us in the room are like experts at stuff. Uh, We have experts in the room at like writing writing books, there's experts in building, there's experts in selling houses and real estate, there's experts in teaching, there's all kinds of experts in this room. And if you were to bring somebody on to your company or into your trade, maybe tomorrow, right? And they don't know anything, they're like super green. Like, let's just take building for an example. Like if you're, if you're gonna build a house and you get two, two people, they've never built anything, and you're a master carpenter, um, how much are you going to teach them on the first day of the job? Pick up lumber. Take it over there. When do we get to hammer? We get to hammer when you learn how to pick up lumber and take it over there. Right? Okay, I'm picking up lumber. Well, you brought me the wrong ones. Take it back. You right? Yeah. yeah. We, we, we usually learn like one thing at a time, don't we? Yeah. And when it comes to being part of God's family who are learning to do the will of the Father, here's what I want to tell you. God is not trying to teach you 87 things at once. Probably one thing at a time. Like a good prayer for today would be, God, what are you teaching me today? What are you, what are you teaching me this week? You know, like if you go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if you go back into that and start reading around God, God won't be dealing with all of those things in your life, you know? It'll probably be one thing at a time. There, there are seasons, there are seasons where God will want to teach you about loving your enemies. And there are seasons where God will want to like put his finger on anger. And there'll be seasons where God will want to put his finger on things like, hey, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just, just say what you're going to do and be about it. And also feel free to say no. Um, God will teach us about that, right? But, but he's not teaching us a hundred things at once. It'll bury us. Mm. And then number five, number five, 
leaning into learning the will of God opens us up to our true selves. Uh, we're the children of God. Uh, Paul says in another passage, he says, uh, these three things will remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is, is, is actually love. Learning to love, like learning to lean into love, especially learning how to love other people, that's the thing that will last forever. That's, that's, the, that's the harmony of God's family. Those are the notes that'll be played forever. Like everything else, it'll go away. But learning how to love, that's the stuff that will never, ever end. To love like Jesus is the will of God for us. And by the way, when you and I pick up some of that stuff, that's when we're our truest self. Everything else is fake, you know? Everything else is like posturing. Everything else is a fake mask. Everything else is garbage. But learning how to love, that's, that's leaning into our true selves. So here's what I want to say today. Uh, anybody can be a part of the family of God. Uh, it has to do with learning the will of our Father and doing it. And God wants to teach us a little bit every day about learning his Father's will that we might become our true selves. Amen. That's what he wants to do. Amen? Amen. Uh, here's what I want to do. If you're on the... If you're on the worship team, come on up. We're going we're gonna to sing another song, but we're going to receive communion together this morning. One of the things that families do is they share meals together. Families share a little space at the dinner table. And so that's what we want to do this morning as we, as we wrap up here. So why don't you stand up and why don't you open those up as carefully as you can? They're tricky. Worship band is going to lead us in another song, we'll receive our communion and uh, we'll, we'll sing one more. But then at the end, we want to make a little space for ministry this morning. There may be some people here who need, who need prayer. You just need somebody to stand with you this morning. Um, last week, we prayed for a lot of people. Like, the Lord wants to touch us. You might be uh, sick in your body this morning. You might just be at the end of your rope. And if that's you... Uh, there'll be some people up here on the front row who want to pray with you. So why don't we do this? Let's pray and then let's receive communion and sing. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.